Hi, my name is Thea, and I am one of the hosts of the Optimo Podcast. Our guest this week is Rocky Cole. In this episode, Haz and I learned a lot about what's really in our clothes. He uncovers dangers that we never really stop to think about. Over the course of the talk, it becomes abundantly clear that for Rocky, running a successful business is not just about profit, but much more personal advocacies. Oh, one more thing that I do have to mention. I am quite aware that at certain points of this interview, I do sound like a love-struck teenager. And for this, I apologize. But he is my boyfriend and I do love him. I guess. I hope that you can sit past my embarrassing giggles to hear what he has to say. It's insightful, I promise. Very happy to introduce my boyfriend. Sorry guys, she is <laughs> not single. Boyfriend Rocky Cole. Can you introduce yourself? I'm Rocky Cole. <laughs> that, was a, that was a fabulous introduction. Yes. I couldn't have done it any better. <laughs> okay, so Rocky, what are you doing in the Philippines? You're not from here, yeah. I am a Filipino citizen. <laughs> this is not an interrogation. <laughs> so, so okay. So, you moved here from Canada. I like. I like. Yes, how, that is correct. And I like, <laughs> <laughs> I like how they is really struggling to pull out some info here. <laughs> so, you moved here from Canada. How long ago? Why did you decide to move here? Uh, I knew you were here, but not really. But I figured I'd take my chances, and then a couple of years later, there you were. He, he had a vision. <laughs> had an epiphany. So you came here for a girl. I'm just kidding. I wish that was true, but no. Actually, I left the girl. Yeah. You left the girl. Yeah. Okay, and you came here. That must have been like a huge, huge, huge change for you. Like coming from Canada and deciding to pack up all of your stuff and settle down here. Well, I pack all of my stuff. Pack two suitcase worth of stuff, and then I came here. Okay, and how how is that like for you? Like, why did you make that big decision to move all the way here to work in the family business? Mm, okay, and what made you decide to do that? Like, why 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 was four years ago the right time for you? Because I graduated and I did two years of working there. So I was eligible to come work for the family business. Where did you work while you were there? I worked at an IT reseller, a company called CDW, for about a year. And then another year with golf in the golf industry. Um, a few months with Nike as a representative going around golf clubs and then i did some club fitting and club building in one of the indoor facilities in toronto how long have you been into golf taking golf seriously since i was about 16 and then i would probably just swing a golf club like watching my dad swing from nine maybe nine ten yeah, I okay. heard it's really good because I, I feel like for golf, the um, 
the what do you call this? The, the learning curve is quite high, so it's really good to start them when they're really young. Yeah, I remember my grandfather trying to teach me golf before. He gave me like <laughs> this really small kid's golf set, but it it didn't really work out. Mm. Because we couldn't hit the ball, or <laughs> no, we. Uh, my dad started out like thirty four, and he's he became a single handicapper. Oh, wow. okay, so it's not too late for me. Yeah, and his no. dad is how old is your dad? He's 63, 64. Yeah, and he still plays so like, every weekend. Your dad is, he resides in the Philippines. Yes. And I live with him still. Okay. I'm not and ashamed. <laughs> not ashamed. But I think that's common here in the Philippines. Yeah. Are you the only one who decided to come back here for the family business? Yes, but my older brother did try a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And it didn't work out. He didn't really want to be here, I mm-hmm. guess. Or I think there was just more of timing. It was just him by himself. So, again, if you're by yourself completely hanging around with a bunch of senior citizens, it's not going to be too much fun. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it really was about timing. If he waited a few more years, I think if we came back the same time, it would have been totally different. So, can you tell me more about your family business like what is what is it that you do specifically what i do what the business is is, about can you give us a brief background on your business and then what your role is we manufacture textile inks Uh, we supply nationwide Um, we're geared towards the environmentally safe Um, we go through all of the testings the certifications as far as I know, we're the only ones that actually have these certifications, uh, at least for the local suppliers. And then my job is, since it's a family business, I'm pretty much in every part of the business. <laughs> yeah, that's like how family businesses go. <laughs> like you must, you're, you're everything. Like I am. <laughs> Jack of all trades. Pretty much. Yeah. There is no title. It's whatever needs to be done, you just have to do. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of people who are understand that feeling. Yeah. Um, okay, what's the name of your company? Tulco, Tulco Screen Printing Supply. I didn't know that you, there were like environmental certifications for textile inks. Yep, extremely, I guess, not difficult, but certain parts, like especially for infants and child. it's very difficult to pass those you're saying that a lot of the local textile with ink made for children is not let's just say I wouldn't touch too much stuff in Divisoria oh man okay like what's the difference like like, formaldehyde formaldehyde and lead carcinogens that are in the ink yes in the ink in the fabrics in the there, fabrics also? There's a reason why people pay premium for high-end stuff because they all pass the certification. Oh, okay. So it's done in parts per million. So for an adult, it's 50 parts per million that you're allowed to have formaldehyde. Yeah. For infants, it's 25. And I think recently, the last couple of years, they bumped it down to 15 parts per million. Whoa. Yeah, okay. I had no idea that even for fabrics, that, that they have to pass yeah, some sort the of... Fabric. Yeah, now I'm worried. It's like, um, I have a question about that though. Like, is it difficult educating the market about that? Environmental is good to a point here. It's the people that are willing to pay for it because there's no certificate. Each certification costs 
money you have to get tested time and everything that's all added cost added cost here is a big negative no one wants to pay anything that they don't have to so for them is the cheapest price possible is what i want because that's good enough for my customers because no one really ask right there are people here who are buying it they're buying it they're also buying it because it's environmentally friendly or yes certain ones the export do buy it because we're the only ones with their certifications yeah the other ones buy it because of the quality so it's not just oh well you're certified let me just buy from you a lot of people don't even know we're certified yeah but they buy from us because we're well one we've been in the industry for over 40 years now so yes if you're talking about printing it's a household brand okay it's a difference like let's say we have a lot of r&d involved so every day there's new formulas new testing new fabrics new binders, new raw materials that just get tested and formulated every single day. Mm, okay. So once something new comes out, we usually have it first. We test it. If it's okay, then we see if it will fit the market. I can get extremely, extremely high-end stuff that, for example, Under Armour cannot even afford. Oh, wow. Oh, really? But Under Armour is like pricey as hell. It's really expensive. And they can't afford it. So, so you sell those to who? Normally, it's big company contracts. So Nike, Under Armour, Adidas all nominate a certain company or certain product to use for this project. Mm, okay. So before you get nominated, you have to bid for You have to give to Adidas, Nike, or these brands for them to test it. To do everything, literally rip it apart, wash test everything. If it passes, then they'll nominate you. And all their printers have to use that product. Okay. And then okay. you have to, so you have to use, say, Tulco. And then the printer has to submit their quotation on the print price. Mm. But your ink or whatever prices is already set. Right. So now you have to figure out a way how to, I guess, make it affordable for them. So through labor, through efficiency, through your screens. Um, I guess your know-how, certain prints are harder than others. Oh, I have a question. What would you say is your biggest challenge? Biggest challenge is getting the customers to understand that even though we're at a higher price, it doesn't necessarily mean we're more expensive. Our inks at a higher price might save you more time or it might last more prints. So if you're using our ink, you might be able to print, say, 100 shirts. Our competitors, you might only be able to do 80. But they're only, say, 5 or 10 pesos cheaper than ours. Uh, so if you do the math, who's actually cheaper? Yeah, like on a per right? unit, yeah. you'd yeah. be much cheaper. right? Or ours, you only need two coats to get that very white. Our competitors need three. Right. So that's time and consumption that no one calculates here. Everyone goes, well, the unit cost is 100 while yours is 110 And you're already more expensive. That's already 10% more expensive. Yeah. But if my output is 100 and their output is 80 I'm cheaper. Yeah, by a lot. Yeah, by 10%. Yeah. At least 10%. Yeah. So, for example, our pigments, it's deemed very expensive. But we are about 20 times more concentrated than your normal house paint pigment right so if they have 20 grams 
ours would only need one gram to achieve the same shape. <laughs> That's ridiculous. But we are twice as expensive mm. or three times as expensive than compared to the, the mm. how, I guess, the house paint pigments. But no like one they- understands that. They just go, oh, well, yours is 120 pesos. This is only 40. Yeah. That's yeah. a common fallacy, though, that a lot of consumers here face. Like, even me, I'm like, I'm guilty of doing that. But you get a, at least you get a chance to talk to your customer to yeah. explain it to them. Yes, and most of them are very stubborn. So take, for example, like the owner. He doesn't print. He doesn't. All he does is how much is the ink? This is what I'm going to buy. This is all I need. We've explained to them like, well, I'm not the one printing or uh, it's good enough. It's still cheaper. It's good enough. Whatever it works. They're scared to try to get better just because of the thought of unit cost is already more expensive. So it's like saying I'm going to buy a normal AC over an inverter AC. But yet I turn on the AC eight hours a day, eight to ten hours a day. Yeah. So over a week, yeah, it'll be about the same price. Over a month, it's going to be about 30% cheaper right. with the inverter. So in three months, you'll probably start seeing the benefits because the inverter is about 20% more expensive, 20, 30% more expensive. Yeah. yeah. So it's the same with our inks. But right now, our competitors are actually more expensive than us. How did that happen? We have volume. Ah, okay. We have buying power. Economies of scale. So being the biggest in the country, we can afford, I guess, at a bigger bulk. And then our goal isn't to make money off the poor, the backyard printers. Our goal is to be fair and earn money through customers and sales, not underpaying employees. Right, right. I'm so happy. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> and you know what? I have to say though, like your your employees, so they have stayed with you for such a long time, right? You have really low, uh, what do turnover. you call that? Turnover. Yeah, I think about, I want to say thirty percent are over twenty years. Um, over fifty percent are ten years and above. That's amazing. And I think you mentioned before, like, you do your recruiting through uh, referrals. Yep. Family referrals. Family referrals. Yeah, which is so nice because at least when people go to work, they can be with their family. Yeah, like, there's this thing also actually with Filipinos where um, if you refer a family member, you're like watching them to make sure they don't embarrass you also. Yeah, yeah. that kind of does happen. But for us, it's the trust so i can't be in every department every single time looking over the group of say five so i trust okay person a uh, i need this done by monday they're most likely gonna try to get it done by monday just out of respect of oh well because this person brought me in like i don't want to embarrass them or i don't want to yeah right. i don't want to fail like it's it's gonna look so bad if if i don't do this done like i want to be outstanding i don't want to make i guess a bad impression or to to whoever i guess refer them to the company right yeah right do you feel like 
do you feel like though for you you have added pressure also just because it's a family business oh 100% like it must be hard though I mean like because in terms of responsibilities right you feel like you have more on your shoulders for sure oh for sure it's not my company it's the family business so if I fail I fail the family yeah um Okay, wait, going back, because I have a question for... You came here four years ago to help manage the family company. Did you know anything about the company before that? I knew we were in the textile business. That's about it. Like, we manufacture the inks, we make the t-shirts. But I didn't know the actual history behind everything, what everything was built from. So, when you came here, it was just like Crash Course and... Like you yes. were a blank slate. Blank slate. I learned all of our products in two weeks. Okay. So like all of our products. All of the products in two weeks. And this isn't like a memorization. This is like You have to know it how to like yeah. Like situations. Right. And right. It's all chemicals, not like laptops, sinks, tables. This is you're talking about emulsions adhesive like very chemistry terms <laughs> you didn't I think- can't really say what because they're ingredients so yeah yeah right it'll give a waste yeah man okay. doesn't he sound so sexy with his bedroom voice and he's talking about chemicals and stuff <laughs> sorry <laughs> so okay so what were the challenges there because I assume Okay, so crash course in product knowledge, crash cor- course in the business. Then you'd have to also figure out, like, like did the people in the company respect you right away? Did you have to, like... Um... Uh, they did. They did because my dad, I guess through my dad, is fairly strict. Biggest hurdle I had to go through was I was his son. Right. That was the hardest part not being an employee but being the owner's son yeah yeah there was a big gap that i had to get used to right right because you have bigger shoes to fill it's like your your father would want more from you than from anybody else yes yeah 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 i think a lot of people are in similar situations too they just have to to man up Okay. So like Oh, I have a question. So since we discussed some of your challenges, I want to ask, what do you think the biggest perks are about like working in your family business? Like what is what sets it apart from just being an employee? I have control of what I want to do. So say I have something coming up, vacation, whenever I want, as long as I finish my work, I can take the vacation. I don't have to ask for leave i don't have to think too much it's if something comes up i can just do it and work mobily instead of like oh well i have this coming up can i take two days off a friend from toronto's here like i I need two days off or three days off whatever as long as i get all my work done there i can i can miss not being in the office but with being with that being said even if I'm not in the office, I'm still working. 
yeah. no matter where. I, like I could be in a different this country and I'm still working. I can attest to this because during like dates and when we're watching movies, which irritates me, he'll be like texting on his phone and he's like, oh, and I'll just be like, and he'll just be like, oh, I'm working. <laughs> uh, something is, sometimes it's just something you gotta do. Right. Yeah. How long did it take for you from when you got here to when you felt like like things were steady? About two years. Two years. About so two like years. half the time that you've been after, here. After the first, I want to say three months, I was still willing to try, still interested. Um, that's when, I guess, I broke up with my ex. So at that point, I was like, well, there's really no reason for me to go back. And it's not like I hate what I do. So I stuck it out for another year, year and a half. And then the next thing you know, it just became part of my routine. There was no more, oh, what do I have to do next? What do I have to learn? It was like, oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. I got to do that. And then it's, oh, okay, now I'm very comfortable right. in what I do. I don't know. I no longer have to ask my dad or ask whoever, oh, okay, what's next? So yeah, right, it just became right, automatic. Right. Okay. Yeah. There's really like growing pain sometimes. Yeah. Do you find it difficult? Like, because there's a quite a big age gap with, of course, like the older generation and you. Is it difficult to like have to get your own way sometimes? At certain points, yes, because they don't understand the newer technologies or generation, um, how to market to them. Uh, they're fairly old school, so I'm only spending marketing money if I can guarantee an ROI. Um, they don't really take much of a risk with marketing. It's I'm only spending this because I'm getting this in return or I'm only spending this. That's it. This is my budget no matter what. Uh, I, thank God my dad's actually fairly open, fairly. He's the youngest of eight. That's so, crazy. <laughs> so I got a lot of support from more of the new new generation style, like more marketing budget um, than ever before. Like there was actually barely any marketing budget. I keep pushing that budget every year. Okay. How do you how do you market your inks? I started getting on TV, which has never happened in the 40 years until I got here. Um, getting out to, I guess, certain customers, um, networking. I keep pushing, oh, have you tried our products? Have you done this? Uh, golf being a fairly good networking I guess, tool here in the Philippines. So yeah, you start right. meeting more people. Well, they're very old school. So it's, well, we don't need this. We don't need that. That's too expensive. Like we were never on, I guess, online selling. We are now on two channels. What are your online channels? Just so Shopee and Lazada. Ever tried that thing in your mom's cabinet called psyllium fiber? Ever been really disgusted trying to choke it down? Trying not to spit it out? Because it's so good for you. Well, if this has happened to you, because it's, well, it's definitely happened to me, try our Optimal Cereal. 
It has chia, psyllium fiber, oats, and our delicious coffee. We actually made this so we could make psyllium fiber taste delicious. Optimo cereal, we make healthy taste delicious. Since you're such a big company, do you have like minimum order quantities or? For the inks, no. For dealers, it depends because if obviously the bigger the volume, the bigger the discount. Right. So if you're a dealer and you order less, you just you miss out on the discounts or right. the bracket discounts. If right. you order more, obviously you get more. Okay, okay. And then you sell more more to dealers than to like Um Fairly even. Oh, to okay. printers, to yeah. dealers. Um and then I guess I would say that do it yourselfers would be the smallest. But there's a lot. So if you add them all up, it's all of a sudden a fairly large share of the pie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a, a, a yeah decent I can imagine. Amount. Like there are a lot of people who are getting into like t-shirt printing. Yeah, so we are the only company as far as I know that are tied in and support schools. Um we do have a school program. Again, I I think we're the only ones that have a school program. We actually discount fairly big for the schools. Um the first time they approached us, they thought we gave them the wrong pricing <laughs> because everyone seems to add more when the schools are buying for some Weird. odd reason. Yeah. Like I was like, no, 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 that's that's the right price. That's the school price. Um, so, yeah. Well, that's a lot better. So like the school programs, like what do you do there? Uh, so we deal with LaSalle. Uh, so LaSalle teaches, I think, two or three semesters that they teach their, I can't remember what grade, but they teach them how to screen print part of the, I guess, the livelihood. That's so cool. Okay. You know, all I learned how to do during school was (laughs) tie-dye. That's the only thing I learned. We actually, we we bring in the teachers that are teaching it, teach them one-on-one, and then so that they would be able to teach the kids we're very open with all the schools any help that they need we can just send someone that's actually really neat it's like you're setting up these people also to like like at least like when they get out of school there's or like even when they're in school they yeah, can do like start their do. own business yeah. Yeah. we also deal with uh i guess a non non-for-profit um i guess organization it's fashion for youth so they bring in kids all under 18, and then they teach them all livelihood programs. We supply all the equipment that they need. We also teach every quarterly because they get new batches of kids, kids come in. Yeah, right. And then we go through with them. They come to our seminar room, our facilities, and then we kind of give them a hands-on of how to and all the latest technologies in the screen printing industry. That's actually really neat because, like, I know usually, like, as companies grow bigger, they tend to not screw the little guys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They don't. Fo- they don't. They don't even, even cater to the little people anymore. 
it's like it's so hard to contact them if you're a new customer or you're too small or a new or uh, small business owner but i'm really glad that you have programs like this and it's easily accessible for anybody who wants your ink to grab it yeah yeah is there one industry like that you just wouldn't touch though you you'd be hesitant to you'd be hesitant to touch what do you mean like like, like companies of, yeah, or like, like it would be more on the ethics of the company. So um, my dad did tell me that he had one customer that was using Plasticol inks. What is Plasticol? Uh, Plasticol is a PVC-based product, an ink, that is, I guess, not environmentally, not so great for the health. PVC being plastic is a carcinogen. It needs lead, also a carcinogen, like heavy metals, and talent isn't pvc banned yeah pvc yes. is banned yeah. and you know what but only certain places in the philippines in europe japan plasticol is not allowed period but in the philippines certain f- like i won't mention any names but there are some food brands that still use pvc oh really yeah and it's a carcinogen only certain i thought it was the whole philippines they should regulate it more. I don't think it's being regulated uh, right now. Okay. So what happened to that client though? Like, did- uh, we explained, or my dad explained to him that hey, the inks that you're using aren't so environmental. It's not that safe over time. Again, it's the fumes that you breathe that have formaldehyde, which formaldehyde is used as a preservative. Yes. Which eventually will cause cancer. And the answer that he gave was. I'm not the one printing. I'm in the office. Oh, wow. That's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, so stuff like that. We don't want your yeah. business. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really want to support that company when the owner's attitude is, oh, I'm watching out for myself first. Okay, since you're saying that there are a lot of inks that are not so environmentally friendly, is there any way to tell? That's the hard part, no. Really? So you really have to put The only way you can tell is if you get it tested. So how it's all done is, say, big company like, for example, like Walmart. Right. When the suppliers passed and all the goods are shipped. Mm -hmm. Sorry, before all the goods are shipped, you have to send samples. The samples are tested. So the fabric is tested. The ink is tested. Everything. If it passes, okay, production, go ahead. Once production is done, you send it over. They will randomly pick from the batch and just do the same test again. If you fail, that entire batch, they don't pay you, and then you have to get the shipping back. Okay. Well, that's good. I mean, that's good for the customer. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. but you have to put it through the testing. Here, it's here I make it, I supply, say, SM, and they sell it. Thanks, that's it. Mm, yeah, they don't do any testing. No, no testing because there's no regulation here. And there's no requirement. They say there is now, but as far as I know, no. Mm, okay, okay. Like, oh, it has to be water-based, but water-based can still be... There's some still toxins there like phthalate, like formaldehyde. Okay. We put so much trust in the manufacturers then. Yeah. Are there any brands you know are safe? For textile or for the local brands? Um, He's going to name like all of his clients. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine either. <laughs> well, 
like it depends because we have clients that use our product but obviously business being a business they want to cater to high end mid end low end they do have a lot cheaper products that they use that aren't ours just to get into the low end market okay so okay what price so, point would you think would be relatively safe like or, you or think those those would be safe yeah yeah um for for me honestly i would pick the the export brands so what export because, brands? Because those ones are more like Uniqlo, like those. Yeah, these ones go through rigorous testing. For the local brands here, even though they're a big brand, they don't have. I guess there's no law that says you have to be above this certain level. Right. So it's more of okay, how much is this T-shirt gonna cost me? I'm gonna sell it for this price. It has to fit into my margins. Okay, but well, on on the Uniqlo side is this is my margin, this is my thing, but my volume is also two three hundred thousand versus five hundred versus one hundred twenty pieces. Yeah, so it's easier to fit into the, I guess, price category compared to oh well, I only need fifty pieces, but I'm only gonna pay a hundred pesos or eighty pesos for this shirt. Yeah. If you have a hundred thousand pieces or two hundred thousand pieces, well, eighty pesos might be possible because now you're talking about big volume versus fifty pieces. Yeah, right. Economies of scale, but I think even for a small player, that's something that they can market, right? I mean, like they can say that they can use it as a marketing strategy. Even if their shirts are priced higher, they can say like, oh, you know, the textile ink that we use is safe. Or say for infants, or has this much parts per million parts per yeah ppm of this. Whatever Some do, chemical. but most just don't care. It's yeah. it's more of well, it has to be under this price. Yeah, right, right. And then that's it. I don't care how you do it. It's got to be under this price, and it's got to look like this. How about okay? Well, the com okay. Well. Baby clothes. Why are they so expensive? Is the price justified then? Uh, so the price of baby clothes, the cost is very high because of the labor. It's yeah. not so much the fabric. When you're talking about fabric, it it's very minimal now to the point because the wastage is about the same, if not more, than adult-sized clothes. But it still takes the same amount of time for someone to sew it, if not more. Because if you look at patterns of, say, a onesie that's stitched from like arm all the way to the I guess, diaper area with buttons and everything, versus a t-shirt where it's literally just a T. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah. That's interesting. I'm kind of sad, though, that... This information is not really known to like the public. Yeah, maybe? that's one. Yeah, they don't yeah. want to know here. Like some know and don't care. I had a conversation recently with someone from a different industry, and what she's saying is this: consumer behavior is really changing, and here in the Philippines, is that for everyone applies to your industry. No, here it's all about price, price point. still, because again, it's not they're not end users; they're using raw material. So it's not going to benefit them fashion-wise or anything. It's, I need this raw material to produce this product, mm-hmm. not 
my finished product is this. I got to sell it this because these are printers, not brands. Right. So I don't have to protect the brand. I have to make sure I make money. Yeah. So Uniqlo has to protect the Uniqlo brand. Nike has to protect the Nike brand. Right. So I need my products to be done this way, not, okay, I got to make this. I'm not an OEM like company that just makes it and then sells it to Nike. And then yeah. Nike does all the check, like the testings and regulations for it. What's your vision for Toko? Like, what are your plans for it in the next few years? To make it bigger, to make it, to, to make the brand more recognizable through all the ages, not just printers. So I want people to understand that we are, we do care for the environment, for the actually consumers that use our product. And that our price point is based on quality, not profit. So, for example, our squeegees are expensive, but yes, they're aluminum versus a wooden one that doesn't last very long. No, and it warps because wood changes over yeah. time, and especially in contact with whatever, water. Right? Yeah. yeah, aluminum doesn't. Yeah. yeah, actually, if you um, if you see, what do you call those? Sorry, I can't... Squeegees? No, not the squeegees, the but the, the frames. If you see their frames, like, I could literally sit on top of one, yeah. and it wouldn't break. <laughs> like, it's really well made. Sturdy, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm pretty glad we had to see Yeah, here, this is really cool. Okay, so if any, any people want to get better quality ink, which at a printing per unit cost is probably cheaper... And environmentally safe, you know who to go to. And also fair wage. (laughs) Actually, we don't have any employees that are at minimum. Everyone is, they start over minimum. Oh, wow. Any last message that you want to say? Yeah, anything you want to say? With your nice, sexy bedroom voice. Jet lag voice. (laughs) No. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Can you can you tell people to follow us at Optimal Podcast? Follow us at Optimal Podcast. <laughs> That's great. Okay. okay. Thanks a lot great. for this Thank interview. Thank you so much. Which I'm so glad that you agreed to do this interview. <laughs> I Thank you for listening to The Optimal Podcast. This episode was produced by me. Our guest this week was Rocky Ko. You can find links of Toko in the show notes of wherever you are listening to this podcast. Subscribing and leaving a review of this podcast will help a great deal with the show. You can also follow us on Optimal Podcast on Instagram. Making this podcast takes two things that my co-host and I are sorely lacking. Time and money. So if you want to support the show, you can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash optimal podcast. Thank you for listening and we'll see you guys next week.